Our scripture today comes from Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his, right, his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Please pray with me. Dear God, help us to listen for your word today to breathe out all of the things that distract us and to breathe in whatever message you have for us. Amen. I don't remember much about my own confirmation class. I don't remember how long it was or learning anything in particular. What I remember is decorating folders for like a majority of the time that we were in confirmation. Then I remember standing up front before the session and not having a single answer to the questions they asked us about what we believe. Just kind of awkwardly looking sideways and hoping that someone else would find something to say. That's why we don't question you like that anymore. <laughs> Ironically, the only person who remembers any content from our confirmation class does not identify as a Christian anymore. She's still one of my best friends, so I asked her this week, do you still remember that verse from confirmation? She said, I do. It says, for the punishment of sin is death, but Jesus said it's okay, so you're good. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> That's Romans 6.23. That's pretty close. And it's still more than I remember. I may not have learned anything in confirmation, but I can tell you things that I learned growing up in the church. I learned that no one was too young to lead, even if I was just leading motions at Vacation Bible School on the stage. I learned that pastors visit you in the hospital, which horrified me as a third grader. I learned that the middle school Sunday school teacher would always bring your favorite donut on your birthday and usually remembered what your favorite donut was when you were in college and came home to go to church. I learned that some people have amazing life-changing stories about how they came to faith and that many of us are born into church and grow into our faith like a pair of hand-me-down jeans. The Presbyterian Church was always a place where I could ask questions, have doubts, and explore my faith differently from others. Unfortunately, that's not always the case with church. Not with the churches we hear about in the news, and not for many of you who grew up in other churches or faith traditions. I'm glad that I hear so often from this congregation how wonderful it is that our youth feel comfortable to express not only what they believe, but also what they do not believe. These same people express gratitude that all of our youth are welcome here, and they want to make sure that every single one of our youth know that. The thing is, I don't think that we learn about faith primarily through Sunday school or confirmation lessons. 
I don't think we learn it primarily from sermons about the language and historical context of scripture. Don't get me wrong, those things have a lot of value in growing our faith, but I don't think that they are the most impactful. That's part of why we practice formation and not just education. What I think has the most impact on our faith, especially when we are young, is hearing the stories of people of faith and living out our communal story. I can't tell you much about my confirmation or even Sunday school classes, but I remember the rooms, I remember how it felt, and I had a general sense that Jesus loved me. What made faith real for me was the stories. I knew all of the Bible stories that the kids talked about just a minute ago, but what made the story of Jesus come alive for me was the allegory of C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. I understood Aslan and his sacrifice a lot more easily than Jesus and the cross, but I understood that they were the same. As a high schooler, I was riveted by the stories of my small group leaders, my youth advisors, who shared with us about their own doubts their own struggles with mental health, and their own life experiences, even the stories that they shared in the hopes that we would not experience them. As a college student, I was struck by the faith stories of other students, especially people who I had been taught to judge. I sat for hours with my campus minister, asking him things and listening to his stories about searching for the answers to many of the same questions that I was wrestling with both in my faith and in my own early ministry. In seminary, I learned more about the importance of tradition because it was difficult for me to understand. And I learned how cherished some of our older songs and scripture passages like Psalm 23, how important they are and how they still impact those with Alzheimer's and dementia especially. Even when they are not verbal otherwise, they can often recite this psalm or certain hymns. I've been working in youth ministry for about 10 years now, and I can say I've never had a student tell me, I really appreciated that lesson on predestination <laughs> or any other doctrines, but predestination especially freaks them out. What they do remember is the stories. At my first church, we did a regular summer series called Faith and Film, where we would watch a movie like The Lion King and talk about the story of Joseph, or The Life of Pi and talk about the story of Job. It was one of my favorite ways to share scripture and theology, to make it real for them and for me. They mostly remember the stories that we created together, the memories of beach retreats where we salsa danced while we made pancakes, where we worshiped on the beach, and where, after worship, I yelled at a student for kicking sand in my eyes and into my guitar. They remember the mission trips and service projects and the names and stories of the people that we've served. Certain songs have special significance to some of my youth, like my church in Atlanta, who was taught a special song by our hosts in Belize. It became a song that we passed down and that we later sang with 30 students by a living room fire on a ski retreat. It certainly impacted my faith to hear those students sing with full understanding the words, there's no place I would rather be than here in your love. 
They also remember my stories, even the ones I don't remember sharing. They can still recall my roommates' names and some of our struggles as they unfolded. And those students that I served when I was in college have told me that those stories help them to better navigate their own roommate relationships, or even to choose better roommates. <laughs> like the one time my roommate gave us 30 minutes warning to veto her decision to adopt a cat by text. <laughs> Not knowing that several of us were allergic to cats, and especially as it turns out to this particular cat. <laughs> my youth have also shared their own stories with me, and they have changed my faith. One of my favorite moments in ministry was at Montreat, when the young woman who had just graduated collected all of the younger girls in one bedroom and let them ask any question about their lives. They shared stories about everything, from past boyfriends to other pivotal challenges in their lives. It matters what stories we tell. And unfortunately, we don't tell those stories often enough. I've known for a few months that I wanted to talk about telling our stories today, but I really struggled with finding a scripture that talked about this. I could read a parable because they're stories, but you can't really read a parable without preaching on it. As Peter said in our Sunday school class this morning, they're a bit mind-bending. I could do something from the Old Testament, like in Deuteronomy, where it says to take the law and write it on your hearts, but that's not exactly what I'm saying either. Or how about when Jesus tells the disciples to go and spread the good news? But I'm not talking about evangelizing. I finally decided that I know what I want to say is in the Bible, but I can't find it. And maybe that's because the Bible doesn't say it. It shows it. It's not in the Bible. It is the Bible. The whole book is evidence that our stories are important. Of course, this weekend I found Psalm 78, which is pretty direct about passing down our stories. So if you're looking for something else. But I settled on these verses in Hebrews about being surrounded by witnesses because I hope that we surround our students and one another with stories of our lives of faith. I also like how the author talks about faith as a journey. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Faith is definitely a journey, but I don't think it's just before us. It doesn't begin with confirmation or with third grade Bibles or even with baptism. It often begins with our families and their own histories of faith, which compel them to bring us up in the church. And then some of our stories don't begin in the church at all, but are tales about our struggles with or even against faith until something shifts and we come to God. There is more to this journey than just the lessons that we're taught. We have a responsibility to share the good news but also to share our own faith stories. We all have them, even if we think that we're too young or our lives are too typical. All it takes is looking back on those moments and not always racing ahead. When I was looking for scripture, I actually found a guide to storytelling on our denominational website. And I liked what they said about it. Storytelling is the practice of telling your story, both individual and communal. 
in the context of God's bigger story. I found too often that I hear the most amazing stories of faith at memorial services. Our most seasoned saints have endless stories to share, but we don't always make time to sit with them and listen. Many of us don't even notice our own faith stories as they pass us by, much less stop to share them with others. One way I would love to invite you to share your faith is to come and spend time with our youth. This is a plug. There's more info in your bulletin about volunteering as an advisor. If we want the church to continue in our youngest generations, if we want to pass on our faith, we need to tell the story of God and our own stories, and we need many more adults to help do that. Some of the advisors, the four of us who teach confirmation, noticed last year that the best of our limited five classes of confirmation was the day that we shared our own faith stories, somewhat unplanned. So we decided to start with those stories this year. On the last night of our opening retreat, we gathered everyone to sit on the floor of one of our dorm rooms in the hostel. The best stories are told while sitting on the floor, if you can't tell. We told the students, we're going to share with you our own faith's journeys, how we ended up here as your leaders in a confirmation class at Westminster Presbyterian Church. But first, we asked them, is there anything in particular you want to hear about? One student raised her hand and asked, was there ever a time when you didn't believe in God? So that's where we began. We talked about the times when we doubted God or the church and explored deeper questions about our faith. But for the most part, we couldn't think of a time when we didn't believe in God. I've been thinking a lot about how I answered this question, especially in this season of Lent and Easter. The answer is still true, but I want to clarify something at the end of this class. I've never stopped believing in God, but I've certainly felt forsaken by God. I've certainly wondered where God is when I look at the world. I've been angry with God, and I felt abandoned by God, especially during the pandemic. I haven't really reconciled my own faith journey with my experiences during those few years. I know I was struggling with loneliness and depression without an end in sight, and I was also in seminary. And today, I know that the God I believe in is not the same God that I learned about in Sunday school. My ideas about God, all of our ideas about God, are changing from day to day, from year to year, in the best ways. In this room, we have one story in common, the story of God's love. It begins with the Bible, with believers who have passed down the stories of their faith and how they experienced God. And it continues with each of us. Maybe your story is still beginning. Maybe you think that your story is almost done. But none of our stories are done and we all have a story to share. I want you to think of one now. What is a time that you have felt close to God or far from God? Is there a funny or dramatic thing that has impacted your faith or changed something you believe? Is there another person who impacted your faith with their own story? 
Make time to tell these stories. And if you are struggling with your faith, I encourage you to seek them out. Because in those moments where we feel forsaken or abandoned by God, or wonder where in the world is God, often it is the faith of others that gets us through. It is that cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, telling us what they believe as a reminder that we can believe it too. If the stories of scripture feel alive for you, find a way to help them come alive for others. Think about what stories you have to share about faith and offer them. Seek out the many stories in this community and make time to listen. May we all continue to tell the story that we all share, the story of God's love. Amen.